I'm trusting that you've had a exceptional and good Christmas. We had a Christmas at our house. It's filled with memories because Christmas Day is probably the first Christmas Day I've had off for 60 years. And uh, my kids are away, so some people living over in South Africa. We've got others that have gone down to Cornwall and so on. All my grandchildren were away. We were by ourselves. I have been waiting 60 years <laughs> for this be ourselves, and it was brilliant. So we decided that on Christmas morning, Christmas Day, big day, very strange in the church this morning, strange feeling. Nevertheless, we're going to take advantage of this day and make it a day to remember. Do you remember the days to remember? Yes, well... Anyway, so we decided, I know what we'll do, so we had this conversation, we'll go to our one of favourite places and we'll have our Christmas dinner way up on the Quantock Hills, going right to the top of Quantock Hills where you can see for miles and miles and all down the coast and so on. It's one of my favourite places to go and walk and sit and be and it's lovely and we thought we'd do that Christmas Day. So, scurry, scurry. Sue begins to put the sandwiches, Christmas sandwiches, not just ordinary sandwiches, Christmas sandwiches, together. I mean, the turkey's in this sandwich, I you know that. And so, brilliant, and we're ready to go. Now, it's a bit wet and it's a bit rainy, but it's okay. I'm sure that by the time we get to the Quantocks, it's going to be finer. So, we set off. So, from home, I live in Cheddar, incidentally. So, we set off to the Quantocks. Now... About half an hour or so later, we're arriving with Quantox in view. And I can see with Quantox in view that there's mist on those hills. And if there's mist, there's probably a bit of wetness, a bit of rain, although it's dry just where we are. So we carry on. And I said to Sue, shall we go up onto the Quantox or shall we think again? It's misty. She says, no, let's go to the Quantox. So up we go, top of the hill. When we get there, we find a place to park, pull in the car, park, great. But it's raining. And as soon as you stop the car, you can't see the view. You can't see out of the window. So we can't see out of the window. And I switched my phone off for the first time in 60 years. That's impossible. We didn't have mobile 60 years ago, did we? Anyway, the phone was off. So there we are, switch off the ignition, switch off the wipers, everything. Didn't matter, because we're going to have our Christmas, a romantic Christmas dinner. Yes, romantic Christmas dinner. So, I got the flask out. Leave this to me, Sue. Got the flask, and I opened the flask and poured two little beakers, it's only a small flask, of coffee. Took the first sip in this nice, Sue. This is lovely. Where are the sandwiches? She says they're in the cool bag with the uh, flask. Are you sure? Let me have a look again. So I got the cool bag out and opened it. There's no sandwiches in there, Susan. Do you know that pause? Do you, have you ever returned to your car and somebody's pinched it? 
And you don't, you, you keep looking at the space. You just look at the space. Is it? No, it's got to be there. It was there when I left it. The car was there. Anyway, so that was the feeling. It's, it's there. They're there. I know they're there. Sue, where are the sandwiches? She said, I thought you put them in. No, I, I, I left them on the worktop. I thought you put them in. No, we haven't put them in. Now I'm halfway. I've got a little bit of coffee left. <laughs> Waited 60 years for this. Bit of coffee left. Small flask, got the wrong flask. It's all going wrong now. Romantic moment over. Can't see out of the windows, we're finished. So, I think there's only one thing to do here, so let's go back quietly. So all the merriment and laughter and joy of Christmas morning evaporated as we went down the contacts, making our way home. When I got back home, an hour and a half later, well... The central eating is not on its cold. The mice have left. There's no mice in the house. They've all gone. It, 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 it's just a shocking. All, no Christmas lights on. It is desperate. And this is Christmas Day. And I just sat down and just watched Downton Abbey. Do you know what I'm talking about, Downton Abbey? We watched two things in our house. Downton Abbey or The Crown, and they all run back to back. And I'm not allowed to watch anything else. Just occasionally, I'll be able to watch some guy, some, some of you might know this program, Bangers and Cash. Does anybody know Bangers and Cash? It's where I come from. And I just watch that. I think it's wonderful. Best thing I've ever seen on television. I've driven all those cars. I've worked on all those cars. I recognize them. I'm that old. So that was us, Christmas Day. Failed dreams, big expectation, small delivery. I was thinking about this, and I come from a place called just outside. Has anybody been to Wakefield in Yorkshire? You know Wakefield in Yorkshire? Do you then know Pontefract in Yorkshire? Cool. Does anybody know Barnsley in Yorkshire? All oh, the, the yeses are getting louder. Anyway. So, um, does anybody remember this, this little nursery rhyme you sing at school? The grand old Duke of York, he had 10,000 men. He climbed them up to the top of the hill and he marched them down again. Because when they were up, they were. And when they were down, they were. And when they were only halfway up, they were neither up nor down. Brilliant that. Brilliant that. See? Well, when I came home, that's what was going through my head. <laughs> halfway up the hill, halfway down, getting home, and we're in the same position we were before. That's the story of the grand old Duke of York. Except I discover that probably this was written in response to a thing that went on between Yorkshiremen and people who come from Manchester and the surrounded areas. <laughs> A Lancastrians. And this was the beginning, probably, of the War of the Roses, which still goes on today. Just saying it, I'm just saying. Just saying. Anyway, and what happened is this the Grand Old Duke of York decided that he wanted to reclaim the ground around Wakefield. And next to Wakefield is a place called Sandal and the Sandal Castle. 
and the Duke of York arrived in Sangle and went up the hill to the castle on top of the hill and there with 8,000 men decided to make camp because they were going to invade the Lancastrians and take back Yorkshire for Yorkshiremen. And the grand old Duke of York had visions of grandeur that he could do this. And so he went up the hill with 8,000 men. It says 10,000 because he was waiting for some reserves to come. Wasn't quite strong enough to be able to attack the Lancastrians. So he went up there, but while he was waiting up there, he thought, he couldn't make his mind up. He's thinking, I don't know what we're doing up here. The Lancastrians are down there. We should be going down there and doing a bit of fighting. I think we can take this land. And so they went, 8,000 went down the hill. When they got down to the bottom of the hill and they saw the Lancastrians, they got a bit frightened, so they ran back up the hill. And so they were going up and down the hill because they couldn't make a good decision. Shall we, shall we retreat? Shall we attack? Shall we retreat? Shall we attack? The grand old Duke of York, he had 8,000 men, he climbed them up to the top of the hill and he climbed them down again. But when they were up, they were up. Out of trouble. When they were down, they were down. Big trouble. But only when halfway up, they were neither up, up, up or down. <laughs> yeah, I did elocution. <laughs> and that reminds me of what it's like for us as people. If you come to my house and I take you into my garage and I've got a double garage, you'll see tons of stuff around. All projects that were begun and seemed relevant at one time, but now are put on hold in the garage. It's become junk. And if I took you to the loft, you'd see a ton more unfinished projects, unfulfilled promises. Now, I got this thing in my brain, if you begin something, you finish it. Do you agree with that? If you begin it, you finish it. Here's a passage in Luke. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. So that's a joint enterprise. That's like us as a whole church beginning to say, we're going to do a project. This is our next mission. When you first sit down, well, won't you first sit down and and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? No. We're overtaken with vision. We're overtaken with a sense of anticipation that we can complete this task. So we just begin it and get on with it. For if you lay the foundations that are not, and not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build, but they weren't able to finish. I want to say this for a New Year message. Finish what you started. And when you've made a promise, fulfill the promise. When you've given your word, fulfill your word. And you may have put it on hold you may have made some promises to yourself, to your family, to people around you, to church, to lots of other people, and you've not fulfilled that promise. This year, promise yourself that you will fulfill the expectations that are based on your promise.
Paul had a dilemma. He thought, oh, I want to do what's good, and I want to do what's right. But I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I carry on doing it anyway. Oh, wretched man that I am. He'd made a vow. He'd made a promise. He was a changed man. He was a changed individual. But there was stuff still coming into his life. And he's admitting, I want to do the right thing, but I don't do it. I dislike not doing the right thing, but I still do the wrong thing. So many of us have made vows before God and haven't yet fulfilled them or only partially fulfilled them. And I want to do it. I need to do it. Oh, but there's just something holding me back. There's just something stopping me moving forward. And I've come to an impasse. And it's like a cul-de-sac. I'm going round and round and round. A cul-de-sac. And the important thing is not fulfilled. The priority is not fulfilled. When you've made a vow to God, it's your priority. When you've made a vow to your spouse, it's a priority. It's a priority. And what we do, we get involved in the focus of what's going on around us, the generality of this warfare, grand old Duke of York, but you're missing the priority. And because we miss the priority, we fail time after time after time after time and never fulfill our own potential or come to a place when we feel absolutely satisfied with life and satisfied with what God's called us to do. Because we're actually not doing it. We're wavering between one and the other. This is the year to go all out for what we promised. Living with choices. It's got a name. It's called procrastination. Procrastination. Hovering between two. Putting it off until tomorrow. In this passage, Jesus is making his way to uh, Jerusalem. You know why he's going to Jerusalem? It's crucifixion time. If ever somebody needed to turn around, at that point, it was Jesus. Don't go to Jerusalem. If it was me, I'd be thinking of going in the other direction. But the time came for him to go to Jerusalem, and he knew his destination. And he knew the vow that he made before his father, and he was going to fulfill it. And it says in the Bible, so much so, his eyes were set like a flint. He wasn't going to be changed. He wasn't going to move. From this moment in time. As he's walking to Jerusalem with his disciples. Some people in the crowd, the Jews that were stirring up trouble. And they're calling out. The disciples thought, Jesus, come on. Stop this. Shall we call down fire? And stop them all complaining and shouting and making fun and ridicule. Let's call down fire. You can do that. 
Jesus rebuked them. And he and his disciples went to another village. And this is the point. And as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, didn't know this man, he just cried out. Let's say this guy was in a meeting, a church meeting. And let's just say he'd heard a message. And maybe he was challenged, or they were challenged to do something about it. And this is the way this guy responded to Jesus being in his face. I will follow you wherever you go. Where's he going? Going to Jerusalem. He's going to a crucifixion. It's going to be his crucifixion. I'll follow you wherever you're going. I will go. Jesus replied, Ah, foxes of dens, birds of nests. But the Son of Man has got nowhere to lay his head. If you follow me, if you make a vow like that, I will follow you. It's not a suggestion, it's a promise. I will follow you. When I made a vow to my wife, Fifty-four years ago, I remember to this day the vow. And I've conducted many, many weddings since. And I've heard those vows many, many times. And here's a vow, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, really? Really, have you thought about this? Have you thought about the cost of it? Have you thought of what it's going to mean to you, even to fulfill what you've just said? Do you realize where I'm going? What's going to happen to me? Because I've been obedient to my father. Do you realize it, this will cost you your whole life and your convenience and your life of leisure and all your own dreams you're going to put on the back burner? I will follow you. Even the animals are at peace. But the Son of God has got nowhere to lay his head, neither will you. Then he said to another man, Follow me? But he replied, Lord, first, I'll follow you. I will, I will, I will, I will follow you. I'm on it right now. I am so impressed with you. I love your life, what you do. I love your disciples. This is, this is exciting. I will follow you, but let me go and bury my father. I've got to do something else. A priority. I saw, I live in a cul-de-sac. And I saw someone get into a car just last week to back out of a drive. This person backed out of the drive. It was cold. And it was a bit raining. So this person was holed up, you know, and got into the car without really looking around. Now, the priority would be to look around. But no, the focus was cold and so on. And like the rest of us, just jumped into the car, started off and back. Reverse. About from here to us, there's another car standing. A forty thousand pound car. Oh yes, brand new. Yes, with all the sensors around it. You know, if, if anyone's near them, it goes <laughs> accident, accident. Beware, beware. And this person huddled up, you know, backed out safely and ran into this car. Don't look so sad. Not my car. (laughs) 
Another one comes up. I'll follow you, but let me go and bury my father. Focus was not following. The priority wasn't following. Priority was family business. But I'll do it later. Still another. I'll follow you, shouted out. But first, let me go and say goodbye to my family. Now, it's right to bury your father. It's right to say goodbye to your family. But it's a priority, the order of priority. These people have just made a vow. I will follow you. Put it to the test. No way, Jose. You've got other stuff to do. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in my kingdom. We are not fit for service in the kingdom of God, believers, if we do not fulfill the vows that we've made to God. It's of vital importance. Corinthians 6.2 it says this is the time this is the accepted hour this is the day of salvation in other words now is the moment now is all we have here we are sitting hours away from 19 no it's not 19 2000 and what thank you 2024. <laughs> I thought from Discalco, I can't work it out. <laughs> 2024. On the edge of it. What are you going to do in the next year? What's your first focus? Church of Jesus Christ. What's your first focus? Lord, take me into this new year. I will follow you. I've got another ton of stuff to do. But I must finish this. And I must be faithful to this. That's the word for my life, for my year, for all of us. What we believe God has called us to do, do it. Remember your promises to your children. Come on. You said them. Remember the promises to your spouses. You said them before God. Come on. Friends, you've made promises to neighbors, ministry, calling, actions, this church. The intentions are right, but the delivery is wrong. Build your life on the promises that you've made to God. It says in Ecclesiastes, finishing up. In Ecclesiastes, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. When you've made a vow to God, don't delay. Fulfill it. guy in the Bible called Felix. He's a governor, he's a thug. Paul's hauled before him. Very quickly, the Jews want him shot of Paul for his belief system, believing in the resurrection. Brought him before the governor. Felix tried him. Then adjourned the trial, came back. 
for another time. The second time he came back with his wife, Priscilla, and she was a Jew. And Paul began to talk to them about his faith in Jesus, about righteousness, about self-control, about the judgment that was to come. And Felix was listening to it, and he stopped Paul, don't talk any further. I think because he was so convicted. And right there and then was the moment for Felix to do something about what he'd just heard, faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, I want to leave it for a more convenient time. Do not leave vows for a convenient time. We are promise keepers, every one of us. Promises, promises, promises. Don't lose the day. Remember those you've spoken to. Remember whose you are, your God's. Remember the Holy Spirit is within you, driving you in life. You are called by Him. Remember, don't lose the day. Review your promises. Remember those promises to God and to man. There are responsibilities attached to everyone. God will not forget them. He heard you make them. Promises are a message of trust. Are you a trustworthy person? Am I a trustworthy person? Do you expect God to be trustworthy? Then He expects us to be trustworthy. Now, trustworthy. I don't know about you, but I like hymns. You ever like hymns? It's a great hymn. And people say, well, you know, why do I like the great hymns? I love, I love songs and hymns that are born out of experience and point essentially to God. Here's a young man. And he got amazing potential. Very highly educated. Very talented guy. Decided he wants to go into the Methodist ministry in America. As he went into the ministry, he met a woman and he married her. As he married her, this guy who started the church and was flourishing, very gifted, talented guy, all of a sudden, everything started going wrong. He became very, very ill. Very ill. Within five years, the illness within his body so grew that he was in difficulty. And he couldn't work, and he had to give up his church, and he couldn't afford the bills, and so on. And so, everything declined. No longer a minister, but the one thing he could do was write, and he began to write hymns. He had a loving wife who supported him and two daughters, but he couldn't afford them as he went further and further into debt. Lost health, lost ministry, debt, and a little family to care, take care of. He wrote this hymn, Great is your faithfulness, O God my Father. There's no shadow of turning in thee. Thou changes not thy compassion, will fail not. 
as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Summer, winter, springtime, and harvest, sun, moon, stars, and the courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Pardon from a sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength, God, for today. Bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine. With 10,000 beside, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I've needed, your hand hath provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Broken body, no longer in the full-time ministry. Little family, no money, hugely in debt, struggling to make a living. He wrote that glorious hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. He is faithful to you. Faithful to you. Never leave you. Never forsake you. It's a vow. He will never give up on you. Regardless of your circumstances, your trouble, your broken heart, your misery, your bereavements, whatever happens in our lives, He will never give up on you. Do not give up on God this year. Fulfill your promises. Fulfill your vows.